everyone and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Yajeka. As you can see from the title, this week we're dipping a little bit into controversial territories where my guests and I will be discussing voting in this economy. Now, Zimbabwe is a country where the unemployment rate is well over 90%. Inflation currently sits at over 31% and over 75% of the population live below the global poverty line. To add insult to injury, our capital city, Harare, is consistently ranked as one of the worst places to live in the world. You would think with these stats that the decision to vote is a no-brainer. Our leadership is not working, so we should vote them out. But these issues and statistics are also the reason that brings the whole point of voting into question. A lot of citizens ask, does my vote really count or am I wasting my time? So these are some of the things my guests and I will be unpacking in this episode and also discussing how our upbringing and the economic circumstances have impacted our view on the democratic process in the country. This may go without saying, but I must stress that the views expressed in this episode do not, nor do they intend to undermine the valuable contributions made by opposition leaders and human rights activists in their efforts towards realizing a true democracy in Zimbabwe. The gross human rights violations we witness on a daily basis as a result of activism are horrific. and. I only can hope to see a day when these are not in vain and we do not continue to see such terrible injustices and needless loss of life for simply demanding a better quality of life for each and every Zimbabwean. We don't get to unpack all the issues around voting and the conundrum of a political situation that this country is in. But I would love to hear your views. I would definitely love to hear, have a part two with different guests to share what they think and whether you agree with my guests, whether you agree with me or completely disagree and think this discussion is dripping in privilege. Also note that this episode was recorded before the main opposition party, MDCA, rebranded to the Citizens Coalition for Change. Um, This podcast, despite the season's color, remains unaffiliated with any political party. I personally tend to remain wholly unimpressed by the political leadership in this country, but we get into that (laughs) in the episode. So let's go straight into the episode. Please do not forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at In This Economy Podcast and follow me, your host, at Kimya Jekka on Twitter and let me know what you think. Let us keep this conversation conversation going. All right, so today we are discussing voting in this economy, and I'm here with my guests Maxine and Fungai. Hi, guys. Hey, hey Kim. How are you doing? Very well. How are you doing? Good, good. Do you want to introduce yourselves quickly? Um, hi, my name is Maxine. Uh, that's basically all you need to know in this economy. <laughs> hi, my name is Fungai, and yeah, I'm just a guy. That's good. I feel like because we're discussing a controversial topic, um, usually I have guests and they're like, hi, so my name's Kim, I'm going to plug you, here's my Twitter, here's my, <laughs> follow my book, like all of that stuff. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, cool. So, of course, we understand we're in a democratic society and voting is a big part of that. And there's a lot of, I guess, 
not confusion, but they're very much two sides of people who feel like there's no point in voting in Zimbabwe specifically and people who vehemently believe it's the only way we're going to get out of our current situation. But I see the value and the... Um, I get everyone's, like I get what people are saying, but I thought it would be interesting to discuss this from two young people who are also just trying to figure things out and um, as far as I know are just regular working people and so my first question for y'all is what has your experience been in the democratic process from the first time you understood what voting was to the first time you registered uh, up until now if you've ever voted I've had a turbulent relationship with the democratic process mm -hmm. um, Generally, I think I understood what voting was from a really young age because um, I think politics is, it's been part of the national dialogue in the country for as long as I could remember. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I'd hear all the people say things, you know, about good governance, bad governance, um, voting, and a lot of other controversial things. I think that helped to formulate my opinion around politics and, and democracy and Zim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I registered to vote in 2018. And uh, that was an interesting uh, sort of experience for me because apart from feeling like I had a responsibility to take part in that process as a citizen, I also just wanted to do it, you know, to, so I could make my own mind up about what the experience would be like because I'd heard so much growing up about what voting in Zim is like and what you might encounter, what you might not encounter. So, um, yeah, that's why I did it. I think, you know, like what Fungai said, you... You grew up in Zimbabwe having all these um, pivotal points in the history of voting. You have your 2000 vote, where you remember your parents sitting down and you know, secretly voting for MDC, but not being able to blatantly say that, you know, I'm voting for MDC. And then you have the 2008, which has all the, all the violence that comes with it and all of that. And then now you get to you, for the first time you can finally vote. And then you say to yourself, am I going to go forward and vote in 2018? And I feel like the registration process, um, especially in 2018, was quite simple. It wasn't rigorous. It wasn't, um, it wasn't demoralizing, mm. basically. It was, oh, literally, we're all going to vote. And we all sort of had like the same mentality of who should we vote for. Or rather, at the time, there was you actually did have sort of a choice. I'll say choice in quotes because this will matter later on in my conversation. And, um, yeah, so 2018 came, happened, because uh, at the time I was still in school, so I registered whilst I was here, and then I never got to vote because I wasn't here, but I did register. Um, and then now, so that's literally my experience with the democratic process, mm -hmm. and then now here we are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, for me, I... Of course, first registered to vote in 2018. I know I could have in 2013, mm -hmm. um, but I was also going to uni. I also, it was so tedious. I remember driving to the place to register. It was some government building. I forget which one. And the line was so long. I was like, I'm not even going to be here. Yeah. So there's no point in doing this. Um, and, but the 2018 process was very simple. It was all biometric and, you know, all of that good stuff. And um, to my understanding, a lot of things had changed. Like, if you lived in the city, they were enforcing you to, like, go register at your village of origin, Kumusha, doing all of that stuff. So uh, that wasn't an issue. 
Um, and then the actual voting process as well was like it was long, of course. Like you wait in line and everything, um, and then you vote. I didn't really question who I was going to vote for. And then um, afterwards, I don't think I've experienced such disappointment in like for me personally in the process because from the counting to the results day to of course the um, unfortunate events of August 1st mm. it was very disappointing and I was also kind of left with okay guys what are we gonna do because I felt so hopeless okay. um, which is why when you know these sort of discussions happen it's like all right but guys this is like it's not as simple as when you watch in America. I mean, the last election in America was interesting because they took like three weeks for their results to come yeah. out and there were all these issues. And I'm like, yeah, but that sounds about right. Like This thing of results coming out the next day is really strange. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the democratic process has been disappointing for me personally because you feel like it felt very effective until it wasn't. Um, until okay. that moment. That's what I feel like for me. Okay. Yeah. What exactly were you expecting and what did you... <laughs> well, I actually don't know. Yeah. I genuinely thought we were going to vote and whoever won or lost is one thing. Uh -huh. But the fact that the results were coming out and there were recalls and there was all of that kind of stuff. And then, right. of course, when people went to protest because of impatience. Okay. Never in my life had I seen the military unleashed like that. It was always black ops. It was always secretive. And of course, I live in the city. Um, we live in an urban area. So you would see military like demonstrations. You would know there are people being abducted. But like it was never blatant. It was never in your face. Like I'd never seen soldiers on the street indiscriminately shooting unarmed people. Never seen that in my life. So when that was happening, I was like, Sorry, like what is this, you know? Um, of course, there's the part of I grew up in an urban area. Uh, around the country and other places that's probably the norm during election season but it was pretty shocking for me because I'd never seen that in person like live happening I unfortunately was in town that day and it was just yeah. chaotic yeah. so yeah I don't know what I expected but I wasn't expecting that that part was like oh, okay, what is this you know mm -hmm. is there a way out is this effective I don't know mm. so my second question is Considering how things function and considering how the last election, you know, came together, what kind of political regime or system or whatever you think is suitable in any post-colony, like in Zim or any African country that used to be a colony? Because there's a lot of discussion about democracy doesn't work in Africa because yeah. it's not it's a Western concept. The idea of voting is somewhat unnatural. So why are we doing it? You know what? I... I... <laughs> I've interrogated that for quite a while, um, where people say democracy is unnatural in Africa, but it's sort of like looking down on us, yeah. because why can't we do what every other normal functioning person can do? Why can't we say that we can make our own decisions through a vote and be happy about that decision afterwards? Um, I don't think it's un-African per se, it's just that... We haven't, hmm, how do I put this? We followed so many other people's systems for so long. So for us to then sit down and say, we're voting, sometimes it feels like it's not our system because it doesn't give us the results that we intend to get. 
yeah. or the results that we think we're going to get. Like, for example, um, probably part of your disappointment in 2018 was because you saw it going one way and then it came out and it's completely different. So we can't really say that democracy is not well suited for Africa. No, it's just a system that doesn't work with this corruption. <laughs> it's, it's the corruption element. It's not necessarily that particular system. So I do think that, you know, over the ages, people have gone through so many other things. People have gone through monarchies. People have gone through, like, all these other systems of being ruled, oligarchies and all of that. And we've landed... In the 21st century, we've landed at democracy, and it's the one that's sort of stuck. So I really do think it works. I think it can work for us. It's just that everybody, opposition, ruling party, everyone needs to be in the game. Yeah, I think um, I also believe in democracy. Mm. And I've heard people say, like you said earlier on, that uh, democracy is a Western idea. That's why it doesn't work. I don't think I agree with that. Yeah. Um, because I think even before we were colonized, we had, we had our own sort of African form of democracy. So we already had, we were familiar with the idea of democracy before colonization. Um, it's just that, you know, when we, when we did get colonized, they had, to, they had to remove whatever system we had in place in order to install what they thought, you know, we should have been doing. So, um, you know, from that perspective, I just think we should carry on with it because it's not perfect, but... Um, for me, it's the best option out there. Yeah. Um, I think there's something about giving people the rights to decide for themselves mm. how they think the country should be run. Um, and I think, yeah, I think uh, we're probably better off sticking with the system we have now as opposed to adopting a new system. Yeah. Just because of, I mean, never mind how much time it would take, but think about the cost. Mm. You know, like not even financial cost, even like human cost. Yeah. You know, like uh, changing a political system will literally cause it will cause damage or loss of some some sort yeah. to society so yeah I, I think we should stick with democracy yeah Agreed. no I, I I agree with that I used to definitely be one of those people who was like democracy is such a western ideal it's such a western concept and I don't think you know it would be adaptable in the African sense um, but like when I think about it practically I think Back then, I had a very utopic view of Africa before colonization. And I think, we think, guys, we were kings and queens, we were doing our thing. And yes, we were doing our thing, but I don't think no one was complaining. That's true. You know, I don't think it was not a system without its faults. And um, I think culture, traditions, all of those kinds of things do shift. And they change with the times. If I think a lot of people, like a lot of um, civilizations were nomadic, for example. I imagine their cultural practices were suitable because they were never in a place for too long. And so when people started settling, then cultural things change because of, you know, you're settling in places now. And obviously the things you need to do change. Mm. And so I think instead of thinking of, oh, as Africans, we need to go back to whatever we were doing, obviously... We have urban settings, rural settings. It's not what it was before colonization. Mm. And I do agree that like democracy might be the best way to ensure everyone is given a choice. Everyone's voices feel somewhat heard in any shape or form. Mm. Um, the issue is the system in which the democracy is functioning. And I don't think there's a country on the, in the world with a perfect system. Exactly. Right. But it's a system, as long as people can 
justifiably feel that their voices are heard. Like if I am particularly passionate that on Wednesdays we must wear pink and I form my political party <laughs> and that is my platform, that is my agenda, I should be able to do that. Yes, it's a waste of time, resources, money, but it's my time, my resources, whatever to waste. And I think that that's the important part. That's what I like about the kind of democracy that's there because in other countries, anyone can form any kind of party for the sake of just the human instinct of wanting your voice to be heard. And they can run an election, yeah, it'll be silly. And people say it's a waste of resources. But I think that's an important part where we as Zimbabweans, I personally cannot say that I feel like I could wake up tomorrow and be like, guys, on Wednesdays we wear pink because yeah. it would be dangerous being any kind of opposition. Let's be real. The reality of that, being any kind of opposition is dangerous. If you want to do charity work, people assume you're opposition. You have to do so much clearance to prove not that you're yeah. wanting to help people, but to be like, no, I'm not here to influence people politically. And that's scary. Yeah. And that's a horrible sort of process to be in because I'm really just passionate about people wearing pink. Yeah. And I should be able to to do that. Right. But we're not in a system that would allow for that. Yeah. So I, I don't think going back to whatever it used to be, I don't think any of us know what used to be verbatim. Um, I think we also have a very, uh, a very pre-approved yeah. version of history. And we don't really Definitely. know the purest form of how our systems were, were moving but even from what I have read it wasn't entirely fair mm. and I don't think we could go back to such unfairness mm. um, for different groups of people mm. also some groups I guess didn't exist because culturally people like humans evolve like yeah. I, I imagine different groups of people didn't exist the idea of a a preteen, for example, I don't think was a real idea yeah. back yeah. then. Yeah. But someone who's between going to high school is like, oh, yeah, you know, you're a young boy or young girl, you're 12. Y'all need to start having kids today because yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Now that's not the case. So that's we can't true. really go back to those old systems. Um, so, yeah, I think there should be a room to evolve. Mm. But the form of voting, you can form a party, people can vote, and whoever you vote for then represents your interests within a forum of other people mm. I think is it's a good system yeah. and definitely corruption gets in the way yeah. and I don't know how to perfect it but we can stop the corruption I think we're trying we're trying aren't we? Are we perfecting or perpetuating <laughs> a, a, a very dangerous system? I think we're trying to perfect it but just very slowly mm. um, How? Well for starters I'm not a political analyst, yeah. so I'm just an ordinary citizen. Mm. Everything I'm saying is based on what I've seen with my own eyes when I go out there. Yeah. And one thing I feel very strongly is that life in Zim now is very different to what it was under the previous uh, regime. That's true. Yeah. Um, just from a point of safety. Um, it's not 100% safe, don't get me wrong, but I think you can get away with a lot more now than you could back then. I wish we had video. Exactly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're both looking at it. Like, <laughs> like, sorry, what? Yeah. Example. You guys don't agree? Give me an example. Give me an example. Well, um, I think, for example, do you guys remember, um, actually, no, I don't want to give spe specific examples of people, but what I will say is um, people now have a certain level of freedom of speech that they didn't have under the previous regime. Okay. That's a, that's a, I can agree with that one. Um, I'm not afraid to name names. In terms of... Um, so I'm just shook. I'm just no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I think there's, there's, there's sides to it. Mm. So if we're looking at freedom of speech, for example, 
uh, a good um, example to actually look at what Nelson Chamisa does. Yeah. Under Mugabe, Nelson Chamisa would have never had the wings to do half the things that he does right now. He would have been in jail 50 times over because just as how they'd have Changirai locked up every other two weeks, uh, Nelson is a free man. Free, in quotes. Because, of course, he has tails and he has all of this stuff going on. They shot at him. Debatable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can, I can, I um, Yeah, but, like, I think I get what Funga is saying because we have a lot of more activism now. Yeah. And people who are rising up and trying to say this. Of course, you have things that, like, bring us back, like... Marco, yeah. um, being in jail for nearly a year, mm. and just those little new, like little nuisances that keep happening. But I do think that even to just stand up and say that this is what I'm standing up for, under Robert, people didn't do that. Mm. Mm. Or you would know that you know what, my life is going to end yeah. the way it is. Do you guys remember like, there was a time when you couldn't even say his name? Yeah. Like you couldn't even say his name in public. <laughs> okay, okay, I hear you guys, I hear you guys. I think the next question, because I like where this is going, but um, I know I was going to ask this a little bit later in the conversation, mm-hmm. but I just want to bring it up now from your point of view. Do you think your privilege has impacted your view on the political situation? Because, And I say privilege in the sense that we are young Zimbabweans who have homes. We all drove here. We're sitting at a cafe in Harare, like just chinchilling on a Sunday. Um you know, there's a majority of people in the country, a vast majority, does not have access to the resources that any of us would have on a really, really good day. And I just want to put out, put it out there, point blank period. We're very privileged to be sitting, doing a podcast right now, mm. for example. So with that being said, I mean, do you think, especially with what you've both expressed now, do you think you're privileged your privilege has impacted your view and from guys specifically like your male privilege do you think that is like mm. I love that impacted your view on the political situation okay I think generally speaking mm. my privilege has had an impact mm. um, but I think not in the sense that it like it blinds me from what's going on yeah it just shields me from what's going on mm. so I can I mean I can appreciate that a lot of people are struggling out there that there are things that I get to do that most people don't get to do um but it doesn't hurt me any less that it, you know, just because it doesn't affect me, I can mm. recognize it. Um, I just can't speak on it from a point of view of someone who's gone through it. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that just because I haven't gone through it, like, I'm not allowed to, you know, to express my feelings on it. Mm. I've heard people say things like, you can't say that because you don't know what it feels to be in this position. Like, mm. okay, I get it, but um, so what? I must just, like, sit back and enjoy my privilege and not speak on it because I've never gone through it? Is mm. that the alternative? Like, mm. you know? I don't know. What do you guys think? Should you speak on things that you've never gone through just because you're privileged? That's a bit of a tough one because then there's like that whole part where you might be insensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, But like just to go back to the question, I think that privilege gives you a choice. Yeah, definitely. Um, It allows you to say that I'm voting, I'm not voting. Mm -hmm. Um, Because... Because you have some sort of privilege, you have time to explore other things more than just your hunger, per se, Mm. or more than just what's directly happening to you. You Mm. have, 
the privilege of actually being able to look to stand up on something and look and say what's happening in the rest of the city mm. what's going on okay I'm looking at this I'm looking at that is there going to be a change no okay let me go back home yeah so I think just to in short privilege does give you a choice that probably you wouldn't have otherwise had no I, I feel like I can sit and think about things because I even just the question of whether or not I should vote and I do think it's from a position of a lot of privilege mm. of course all of us are always one health scare car accident whatever in this country instability away from any kind of you know just downfall or detriment the life expectancy for example in this country is so low because people are like yeah but yeah the life expectancy is like 37 I think yeah, for men and 37. 30, 34 for women or something mm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but people live well past that. I'm like, yeah, but if you were to get into a car accident in some remote part of the country, there's no ambulance that's going to come to you. Yeah. And even if you were to, you know, even if you were salvageable, like you could have survived, the fact that there's just no access mm. to anything everywhere, that's why that's why your life expectancy is low, because anything could happen. Mm. So I can sit and think about those kinds of things, knowing that I'm shielded from a lot, like what you're saying, Fungai, I'm, I'm, I'm protected from a lot of mm-hmm. things. So I can sit and be like, oh, should I vote, should I not vote? I'm seeing, you know, I think I also have a lot of privilege to see things like sexism in our politics. Yeah. Um, I imagine for someone who is very desperate about in the Zimbabwe situation, the fact that I think the opposition leader is incredibly sexist is not something that bothers them as much as yeah. it would bother me because I can sit and think about that. Exactly. And I feel like everyone should be bothered by it. But I think it would also be asking a lot of people to care about it as much as me mm-hmm. when they're in a very, very, very desperate situation that I'm not experiencing becomes difficult. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, can I think on, can I speak on things that I'm not experiencing? Um, yes and no. But I do think no, because if I have a platform and someone is experiencing something and I have the privilege to access, you know, uh, someone who will listen or for to get more people to listen, I think I would use my platform to give the people who cannot, right. do not have the same privilege, right. to tell everyone about their experience right. instead of me speaking for them. But I do think, I, I really do think, personally, my privilege does impact my view on things. Um, Definitely. And I can appreciate where people will say that we have no choice but to vote, but there's we're getting more into it. Mm. So, as far as your decision to vote or not to vote, what was the thing or the aspect that impacted your that decision the most? Like, the most. Like, where you're just like, right, I'm not going to waste my time doing this, or yes, we definitely have to do this. Um, okay, so my view is I... As it stands, I don't see a point in my vote. Um, I think which is very interesting because uh, right now, the work that I do, I do work very closely with both parties, Um, interact with them quite often because I work a lot with Parliament. So that's where my view stems from because I see on a daily basis what either side does. And the more you... The more you're there, the more you realize that we're not going anywhere. No matter which direction we take, there's highly unlikely a change that's going to come through. Even if, in our wildest dreams, the opposition wins. It's a wild dream. Very wild dream. But then what? You guys couldn't even field 44 seats 
right, in Parliament because you guys were so focused on the presidential vote, meaning that you let 44 seats literally go to waste. Zanapia just walked into those seats, right? So you find that there's this um, imbalance where everything is headed towards the presidency. But then, with the, I'm speaking on the opposition side, but then if you get into power, now you guys are going to have to start thinking about, oh, we need a minister for this, we need a minister for that. But you guys should have thought about this 10 years ago when you were, when you were rallying up for votes, when we were thinking about this. So I think what makes our um, political system really hard is because we're so focused and hell-bent on the idea of a president, but in actual fact, that's really not the person who makes... Yeah, of course they have like their ideology, their headway, their whatever. They've got that strong leadership really counts, but that's not where the change happens, mm. and that's that in itself is the problem. Mm. For me, I I can see that. Look, you know what? Even if you guys come into power, if you guys stay in power, it's literally two sides of the same coin. You're gonna do exactly what these guys are doing. Okay, I hear what Maxine is saying, but I also feel like, you know. You should give them a chance to prove you right or wrong. You do, know. Well, do as it stands right now. Do they have a name? And I understand. Yeah, what they could even keep their own name. No, I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. I think, I think. Um, okay, any democracy in the world has its issues. Yeah. Right. Um, any political party has its issues. Um, maybe we just have a lot more issues than other mm-hmm. countries do. Mm-hmm. Maybe our parties here just aren't as well organized as they are elsewhere in the world. But I think even if you if you really sit down and you analyze the two, or I say the two parties, because to be honest, I mean, it's really down to, like it's between ZANU PF and MDC. Yeah. Um, Whichever MDC we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the 28 other presidential candidates and parties. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. sit down and you, you analyze it, then surely you can find someone who either represents your interests or to some extent is a better devil than everybody else, right? So because of that, I think, you know, you should make the choice and you should exercise your right to vote because not voting is like, like I've heard people say, I don't want to vote because I haven't found anyone who represents my interests. Mm. It's like, okay, so you're saying that you're not going to vote because you don't feel represented. So your solution to not feeling represented is not to exercise your right to vote and allow other people to decide who gets to represent you. It's like you're giving up like you're recognizing a lack of representation and you are using a further lack of representation to remedy the lack of representation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is there a better devil though? Because isn't that exactly what we did in 2018? Because people thought there was a better devil. But did the better devil... He didn't win. But he's here. Yeah. <laughs> so he won by... It's debatable. No, I mean, the issue... The thing with me is... Mm. I, I'm, I'm saying people should go out there and vote. Okay. Right? There's no guarantee that whoever you vote for is going to win. Yeah. But you should at least exercise the right. You should at least try. Because okay. if you don't, then whose responsibility is it? Is it necessarily that... Or maybe let me take, How will you let ever me, get what you let want? Let me actually dial it back. Um, I had this conversation in our office the other time. Um, our office is quite interesting because it's half legal, half journalist. Yeah. Um, so we had this conversation a while back about why I didn't want to vote. So we're still on this. It's mostly because they're for Chamisa, and then I just think that's a Mickey Mouse party. But that's that's besides oh, wait, wait. <laughs> that's besides my yeah. my own personal views. But um, so they interrogated me on how come when they were younger, 
they felt like you know going to the streets they're going for something or just what happened to that burning fire that people had when Zanapia was created in the 60s you know what what is it what, how come the youth of today don't have that they don't have that fire they don't have that focus they don't we're not really into politics as these guys or these guys would rather die mm. you know when you read about use it history students changed things mm. students had movements students had miniskirt um, protests and all of this but why is it that we don't do that why, what is the what's the missing link and um one of the answers that came out was that which i personally actually agree on i don't have an ideology so you find that most of the guys back in the day if zanu pf says were for marxism right when they started out and all of that there was a clear thread of what that's going to give you and then fast forward to now as a person in 2022 as a youth you're inclined to say you feel like you don't have an option you kind of have to support mdc because yeah. you want change you want things to change you want the old guys out you want new blood you want whatever but okay. um but what happens when the party that you're following right can't even provide you with that clear ideology So you find that the guys who even the old guys there's people everywhere question etc who die for something yeah and the reason for that is that they've been so good at instilling their ideology you have buzzwords for something if you hear command command agriculture things are here if you think dollarization things are if there's certain words that have come up and now there's some words they belong to some but they just words they're not meant to belong to anybody mm-hmm. um so then when you go back to mdc and you see how much they split you know factions are a normal occurring thing anyway zanopiev whatever but you start looking at it in terms of why zanopiev can have that longevity why it can stand the way republicans stand the way democrats stand is because of that one clear cut ideology so it's going to trickle up it has to trickle from the top down chamisa has to tell us exactly what is that you can't look left you can't look right it has to be clear it has to be cut and once that happens every other single person in mdc has to sing that song so that passion java can't come pay for record recording time at chill spot studios and all the youth in bari are all of a sudden disappeared yeah can i tell you for me um i completely hear you yeah. and i completely agree but i think the opposition does have an ideology and it's an ideology that what from guys saying i don't agree with and it's an ideology that i do not think represents me okay right so and i don't believe that that ideology is too different than what the ruling party's ideology is it's not necessarily marxism or socialism as the ruling party claims to be you know back in the independence days but i think because the way we grew up like when i think of 
after those elections. That was a pretty traumatic time, especially the time when, I don't know if you remember, the military came and closed the schools. That, for me personally, was a very, very scary day. Mm -hmm. um, and that just made me feel like if I ever stood for something, I'm going to die. Yes. And ideologically, I think that's where it stands, where I don't have anything that I would die Definitely. for. Right. And if there are things that I would die for, they're not represented in Zimbabwean politics. Mm -hmm. So that's where, I guess, an apathy can come in or uh, there's no point in voting from that respect can come in because it's like, no, they're there. Mm. They have right. an ideology. Right. It's very clear. Mm. It's just not It's just not for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then comes the um, conundrum that you've presented for a guy like, are you going to remedy representation mm. with l even less representation? Mm. Um, which I really have never thought of about it in that sense before but where the ideology in Zimbabwean politics to me I believe is very exclusionary right. I can for example see like as a woman the way female politicians are treated exactly. is disgusting mm -hmm. and there's no political party that I feel like has taken a very clear-cut stance mm -hmm. on the treatment of women mm -hmm. in politics that's just in politics right. forget women in general but these are their comrades like these are their yeah. Yeah. party members together but their leader, the person who's the face of it, does nothing to address when these women are abused, especially on the internet. Mm. Um, and if you're not a certain kind of woman, you're not going to be exposed to like a, a certain exactly. level of respect. Um, I think Fadzaima here was the very first politician I've ever seen who didn't do the perfect mother yeah. Madzimai campaign. Yeah. Mm. She was there yeah. in uh, suits mm. and doing like really creative things. Mm. But in Zim politics, that obviously didn't matter. Mm. It was like nice to watch, but. After, when I saw how those elections unfolded on her part, I was just like, damn, you know, that's the most deserving can Like, <laughs> her campaign was beautiful. Yeah. And it true. was inclusionary. That is but true. I don't think Zimbabweans care about that right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that the representation issue comes now where I think there is a clear ideology. It's just one that I believe is problematic and exclusionary. Or, or rather, uh, I can also refine and say that... You got, okay, they, they may have an ideology... But at the very same time, they're distracted because yeah. the dog they're fighting is very big, mm. it's very large and comes at every single corner. So a lot of the times it comes out as their main reason for existence is to oppose, oppose. exactly, not actually to yeah. implement. Mm. So that is what may feel like they don't have an ideology. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fair. And I think for me, the reason I don't take to the streets for a certain, especially political belief, is I am not in a place personally, and you can quote me on this, Zimbabweans are not worth dying for. Zimbabweans, <laughs> I just, Zimbabweans are a lot. Yeah. Um, and as a people, I don't think we have a, and I, I think the expectation for us to have a uniform voice or point of view would be unfair. Mm -hmm. But I think as Zimbabweans, when we really look down to how the economy, our society, the economy has degraded our like yeah. society. Um, I'm just like, well, uh, guys, even if I die today, I'll be a hashtag That's maybe true. for a week. That is true. For the what is it, thirty percent of the population that yeah. has access to the internet, but everyone else or the bigger picture, I don't think there is a Mandela, for example, that can come out of mm. the struggle because mm. even like you mentioned with Marco in prison. Um. I don't like people are aware. I think yeah. people do care. Yeah. But I don't know that people care that much. No. No. And to me it, it was like a gross human rights violation. 
and I think it also speaks to our country, the issues in our country, it's because he was super young, because we were free hopeful for a long time. Yeah. I do believe ageism does come into it. I do believe certain rhetorics do come into it. I really, really do. And when it's a young person, because I believe there's just no ratings for us mm. in the political space, you go to prison, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, earn your stripes, but also we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the people who do care, of course, they get support. They come out, but it's not like in like what we're seeing in Mali at the moment. All the youth people are saying, guys, Mark was in prison, let's take to the streets. Yeah. If I was to message any of the group chats I'm in, people would be like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm like, sorry, can't, hey, can't sorry, come. Sorry, I, I can't make it. I really care for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm a tweet about it. You know, yeah. like, but, but don't you think we've been conditioned to be that way? Yeah, of that's course. what I'm saying. But of we course. have. But it's, it's interesting, though, because... Now, going back to that freedom that you were talking about, that we're more free now than we were before. But with Pastor Ivan, people were outside that courtroom. Mm. Yeah. People were sitting there. People, that was really... It was, it was really brave on every single person who was there because you know with Robert, any time was tea time. Was yeah. that, was, <laughs> was I can't remember. Time. When was that again? 2016. 2016. Uh, I remember see. I was there. But can I tell you something about that? Yeah. I don't know why. But that pasta, that free pasta eve, mm. felt like a safer protest then, yeah. than the no bond notes. Like when people were like, let's take to the streets about bond notes, I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 I'm not <laughs> doing that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really, I don't know what, what was the differentiating factor. I do think also for the pasta eve protest, and you can quote me on this, there were hella white people. So I think it felt kind of safe. That's there were lots right. of white yeah. people. Um, and I think that also speaks to a lot because I was there that mm-hmm. day. The police were around. They had their, like, tankers. And I've seen, I mean, there have been random times in town where I've been with my friends and you're just walking and tear gas, nowhere. Nowhere. Or mm. police just start beating people, nowhere. So yeah. you know how these people move. Everyone is out there by Rotten Row. I'm like, yeah. I'm low-key scared, but yeah. at some point it was even fun yeah. because the yeah. police were right there. Yeah. Yeah. But, like... I was thinking anything could happen, but at that particular protest, nothing happened. I think the difference um, would be that that movement attracted so much attention from the international community. Yeah. The world was watching us. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knew it. I think that's maybe one of the biggest reasons why it went on for as long as it did and people were able to do (laughs) as much as they did. So. I also low-key want to say that the world doesn't care about us because... Yeah, that could have had like a lot of um, political traction internationally, etc. But it's fun to say Zimbabwean dictator has done this. Now that we don't have a dictator, it's kind of not like well, a dictator when, that a the international community's <laughs> exactly. name can pronounce. It's exactly. not like that guy. It's just like no, no, <laughs> the then, new guy. But then you know what I mean. You know, like yeah. they don't really give him that much credence. Yeah, credence. So like to them, it's not ah, those guys are fine now. Yeah. You know, they don't have Robert anymore, so exactly. It's not. It's not something that gets views on international on CNN anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I actually wanted to say that. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you said that um, with Pastor E, there was a lot of white people involved, and I think that's one thing that also really plays a part in how we're gonna shape whether the youth are gonna vote as well, whether they're not. What is it that captures? white people and then why is it that when white people are involved it's now more important because I'm pretty sure if 10 white people had gone and said free Marco maybe everybody would have also jumped on it 
I think so. I, and I do think they weren't... It's like the usual white people, like the Doug Coltarts, yeah. all those people were, you know, speaking on it and it was out there and everything. But I think at this point, after, you know, August 1st, 2018, mm. and then, of course, the protests in 2019 and just the, mili- the indiscriminate military yeah. presence makes it kind of scary. Um... And at that point in time, it was kind of just the police. Right. And I think the ruling party in 2016 had also was pretty fragmented. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't like a big, I'm not saying it's not fragmented now, but I think it was just like a perfect storm for that to happen. Right. But as soon as, you know, this flag, you know, went international and, yeah, yeah. you know, past the E went on tour. Um, <laughs> 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 as soon soon as that ended every other protest after that was like nope no, not, a, yeah. not a zip tear gas arresting come to court you know what I yeah. mean so I don't know what it was maybe people can comment I don't know though. maybe it was inclusion yeah maybe they felt included for the first time in the politics of this country good point because everything else is you know very much you know, centered around the average life of the average black Zimbabwean. Mm. Maybe Pastor E appealed to everybody. 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 Yeah. But just on that, right? Like um, you said, uh, protests on bond notes and whatever. I think one thing that we sort of forget in Zimbabwe is that not everyone actually wants the change to happen. Some people are in their G wagons. Yeah. And it's perfect as it is right now because they make money in the dysfunction. Yeah. So the moment that the change comes, that's going to be a problem. Um, with the ruling party, you can only... Ima- like, they have such a strong money force behind them. Mm. So you can also only imagine what some people... Um, okay, I'm just going to say this. You know there's a guy who owns the farm that's 100 kilometers by 77... Like, it has the craziest dimension. Mm. But you can't tell me that he wants change because he's probably paying for things to stay the same because he needs it yeah, to stay, stay the, the same. same. So there's definitely a good amount of people who really benefit from this and those people are the people that can throw money at the problem. I completely agree. But those people are going to go and vote for the status quo. I actually, I wonder if those people are going to go vote. I think they will. I think they will vote um, because especially if they're part of the machine, they're going to do something yeah. to show some solidarity. Yeah. But then do they Or they're going to gonna give their ID so it could be copied 15,000 times. I was actually about to and make they they vote in multiple, multiple, <laughs> multiple constituencies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think those people will go and vote. I will also say this out loud. Um, I, I do believe there is alleged rigging, very alleged rigging. I, I do believe that that happens. But I honestly don't think the ruling party has to try that hard because of what you're saying. There are people who don't want change. Yeah. And there are people who will die for the ruling party. Yeah. And yeah. that's just a reality that I don't think they'll have to try that hard to look for votes or get people to vote who don't exist. Yeah. Because I think an assumption of register to vote means you're voting for the opposition. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we should let go or just move away from yeah um so my final question before we wrap this up is what kind of leadership do you think zimbabwe needs right now i think that the zimbabwean people and this is my opinion Mm -hmm. are not necessarily concerned about 
who's running the country. It's more about how much is a liter of petrol, how much is school fees, um, you know, how long does it take to get a passport when I apply for it, it's that stuff. So like, just get rid of corruption, um, apply more sort of internationally friendly economic policies, and uh, yeah, I think that's what people care about. People care about everyday issues. I don't think people, issues. Yeah, if everything was like was accessible in this country, I don't think people would care if Zanu PF or MDC was in power. Yeah, so yeah. they felt their needs were being met. Yeah. yeah. So it's a leadership that meets needs. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm, I'm definitely with Fungan. I find it interesting that for most of the conversation, we actually agree. We just disagree on who's going to vote and who isn't. Yeah. But I think that's such a great representation of what's going on as well. We care about the same things. It's just that there's just this one little part where will it change, will it not change? And then some of us are fatigued. I mean, like, you know, it doesn't even matter. I can sleep longer on the day. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, my life continues. But I also agree with Fungai in that it's not about who's ruling or... It's actually just genuinely about genuine change. It's about my potholes being filled so that I don't have to throw gum outside and hope that I'm going to throw enough gum to fill the pothole exactly. <laughs> that I drive past every day. Yeah. You know, like, it's the little things. It's the simple, simple things because it's so painful sometimes to go to South Africa and you just see the whole world working. How then do you say that, of course they have their own political yeah, issues, yeah, yeah. but then how then do you say democracy doesn't work for Africans? But there's a working example right next door. Mm. Actually, not even one. There's Namibia, there's Botswana. There's like all these other examples where life is better than what it is here. So it really is just about the day-to-day things. Yeah. I do think the day-to-day does really cloud or um, is what most people are concerned about. And if someone comes to you and tells you, I am going to give you access to the money in your bank account on demand... Obviously, that's going to impact my decision to vote. And I think that whatever political party, especially the opposition, mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's a clever way they need to go about things. Of course, there's all the dangers of campaigning. There's all the dangers. And I don't think anyone deserves to die. Right. I don't think we need a martyr for any change to happen. But I do think it's important that there is engagement with people, mm-hmm. finding out exactly what people need. Um, and being able to translate that to meet as many people, like to translate that we are here for you mm-hmm. in the best way possible if you want to be voted for. Right. I also believe whoever is thinking of running in elections and if the ruling party is what you want to remove, and that's the reason you're encouraging people to register to vote, like, no guys, Zanu must go and we just need to vote them out and we'll figure it out later. I, I don't agree with that I don't agree with that point of view but if that is your point of view my the kind of leadership we need cannot afford to be fragmented anymore no, we cannot have 28 people running for president that was ridiculous in 2018 yeah. ridiculous I think it was a big ploy but that's not necessary we don't need that I think that there needs to be more unity and yeah we're not all going to be on the same page but if this monolith of a ruling party is what you think is all that needs to happen I think the narrative should be more focused on unifying people Mm. hearing people out hearing that every people everyone should matter not just when their vote counts but just their existence should matter Um, and I think if that's the case I think more than anything we need leadership that will unify people yeah um, regardless of which party it is. I think as a society, 
Our society is so broken, and I, I always say if we were to fix the Zimbabwean economy today, mm-hmm. there are so many other issues, yeah. so many other crises going on socially, uh, outside of politics, that need really need to be addressed. Right. And um, I think as a society, I don't know what coming together looks like. Maybe I'm very privileged to say we need to like come together, but I know... My North of Samora bubble is not going to do anything for this country. And Definitely. the reality of the situation is, if you want to run for election, stop campaigning here. We know who we're voting for. The votes have been the same all the time. Yeah. They are more pressing areas, areas of greater influence that I feel, I feel their views are not represented, their needs are not represented. Mm. And I think whoever's running for whatever party just needs to be more cognizant of that. And I think... That will unify the country. I mean, I think I pretty much agree with most of that. Yeah. Unity is a big part of it because I think right now we live very individualistic lives. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. It's very much as long as my house and my people are taken care of, I don't really care what happens out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think it is part of it is about recognizing that um, we live in a society. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not just about what happens with you, but it's about making sure that everyone feels represented, like you said. Yeah. Um, whether or not it will happen remains to be seen. How long it will take remains to be seen. So, yeah. yeah, this is just it's what we hope for, but we have to, yeah, yeah. we also have to make an effort. As yeah. long as we continue to, to like lead these individualistic lives, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So get out there and vote. Hashtag. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Kim. Thank you guys thank you. so much. This was really enjoyable, and thank you for making the time. Whatever your decision to vote or not to vote, mm-hmm. um, whether we like it or not, we're all in this situation together. Yeah. And yeah. even when you leave, until your passport is not green, yeah. we are all in this together. <laughs> <laughs> until it is not, not we're all in it together. <laughs> And that is the episode. A huge thank you once again to my guests, Maxine and Fungai, for being so candid with your views on somewhat of a controversial topic. I really appreciate it. And thank you, every single person who's listened to, downloaded this episode and all the other episodes of the podcast. This platform is really growing and I'm excited to be sharing this journey with you and where we're going to go. So yes, once again, please do not forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at In This Economy podcast and follow me your host at Kim Yajeka on Twitter and let's keep this conversation going. Um, one thing I didn't mention while recording that I think I should mention now is important that whether or not you decide to vote is your prerogative um, but whatever that decision is if your reason is because you do not feel represented I think as Zimbabweans specifically we must move away from respectability politics in that respect your elders or respect people you know in certain positions or who've taken up certain roles hold leadership accountable if you do not feel represented interrogate that representation ask why and answer that that's just how it's always been done or it's in the constitution or whatever it is is not good enough constitutions can be changed um change can happen anything is possible your voice matters you count use that voice and if we use it together who knows yeah so preachy (laughs) but but yeah that's all i have to say um let's keep the conversation going and i will catch you next week bye